Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to the pod where we chat, argue, and wax poetic about the movies that we love, hate, or that are simply worth talking about. All movies have something to say, and we enjoy trying to analyze what they capture. Welcome to the Chatter After. How is everybody doing out there? This is Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet fan here, and I'm excited to come back with another spooky, crazy Halloween recording of the Shatter After, and we are covering tonight Marvel's special presentation, Werewolf by Night. What a great, great addition to the MCU catalog, but also for the month of October. I have my co-host, Mike Thomas. You know, I've talked a lot about how oversaturated the Marvel Universe has become, but if they're going to keep doing stuff like this, I'm here for it. <laughs> and special guest from the Last Scare podcast, Blake. What's up, man? Hey, um, I think we're all welcoming this uh, this change when it comes to the MCU, especially regarding uh, Phase 4, getting some, uh, some new faces and uh, a play with uh, new genres and tones. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to dive into this one of all, of all the MCU projects we get lately. Yes. So guys, welcome to the Shadow Raptor Podcast. If you love what we do, you can find us at the Novice Cinephile Network, also on Spotify in podcast format. We have plenty of coverage there. In the month of October, we have a bunch of Halloween recordings, Train to Busan, Moon Knight. We also have um, Constantine, the 2005 Keanu Reeves film, and this one, Werewolf by Night, which we'll be releasing very soon on our channel. So make sure you stay tuned to you enjoy all the content we're giving you in October. Now, let's jump right in into initial thoughts and reactions from Werewolf by Night, this special MCU presentation. Blake, you're the guest. Let us know. You saw Werewolf by Night for the first time. What are your thoughts, initial thoughts about it? My initial thoughts were that I was I was pleasantly surprised with how far Marvel really did go with this special. And of course, people complain that it's not as bloody as it probably should be or as violent. But you do have to consider Marvel still inching their way towards the more mature content uh, when it comes to their universe. And I think making this special in black and white was their um, was their legal loophole into being able to rip arms off, bite ears off, and slash someone's throat with the blood spraying the camera. Just those little instances where the werewolf does get his uh, his claws dirty was pretty much everything I wanted from this special. And for ninety percent of the rest, of the special was genuine character building, like. By the time you get to the werewolf action, you care about Jack Russell and you care about Elsa Bloodstone and why she deserves the Bloodstone more than any of these other guys who were just assholes that weren't really there to contribute much to the story. And, um, of course, I can't ignore the the standout Ted. Uh, Man-Thing was incredible, and I think we can all agree that he deserves his own special post-Werewolf by Night. So if, if I could choose... One or two people from the special come back. I'd probably put Elsa and Man Thing above uh, Werewolf by Night in terms of who I'd want to see uh, so soon again, which uh, may be surprising or a hot take. I'm not quite sure, but um, yeah, I think I came out of this special enjoying those two the most. Um, I, I guess my only complaint was that I want more of the werewolf. I, I think in his own special, he deserved more. Yeah. Uh, spotlight. We got, we definitely got a lot of Jack, but I think uh, seeing a little bit more of uh, the werewolf himself would have been a uh, would have been cool. Mike Thomas, initial thoughts: Werewolf by Night. 
Yeah. Um, so Werewolf by Night, I didn't know what to expect out of this one because Marvel practically shadow dropped it like we knew it was coming but it's like hey here it is here's the trailer it's coming out in like three weeks essentially is what happened right which never happens for marvel stuff right and and so that that was fascinating i didn't have a lot of time to like speculate or have fan theories on it so just kind of going in blind i really enjoyed it i love the slow burn of it too right and i agree with what blake is saying like for it to be called werewolf by night they really held back the werewolf reveal a little bit there, but mm-hmm. I think when you finally see it happen, that that payoff is well worth it. Um, and yeah, Ted, best character in the entire special. I need more man thing. I'm glad Isaac isn't here because he would say something like phrasing right now, but I would love to see oh my God. Uh, man thing appear again in the in the MCU. I love the intro though, right? Like I love how we have this the Marvel. Uh, fanfare and then you have the claws slashing through it and then it tells mm-hmm. us like yeah you guys know the avengers but also this is happening which i thought was just such a slick way of saying yeah that you know you think you know the mcu but there's still plenty of things that you yeah. aren't aware of which you know going forward that might be a really cool way to introduce mutants in the future yeah mm-hmm. um i everything you guys said hundred percent agree. Um, I I personally love Jack Russell because I'm a huge fan of Gabriel Garcia Bernal. Gael Garcia Bernal. I'm a huge fan of him. Like I first saw him in the Motorcycle Diaries back in a long time ago, which is a phenomenal film about who Che Guevara was before he was Che Guevara. Right, mm-hmm. which we know that he worked with Fidel Castro in a lot of insurrections and stuff like that in real life history. Um, that was a great film um, where he portrayed that character. Um, but I'm a huge fan of Gabriel Garcia Bernal, and he was great in this special film. Um, I enjoyed all the scenes with him as Jack. I, I love the the play of comedy to it. I love the fact that this is not only an homage to old horror films. But it's also an homage to, to the horror genre as a as a whole, especially from that time. Um, it really reeks of Universal Monsters air, but Ooh. it's also its own thing with its own characters and stuff like that. I, I love I love also the take on horror, because when you think about that Universal take on monsters, it was never about the blood. It was never about the gore. It was all about what you couldn't see. It was all about what you could only imagine how bad things were. And and I do like the twists in the story. Like when you see World by Night, I mean, if you know the books, which I had no clue, I don't know who any of these characters are, <laughs> which was the biggest plus for me because I came out of it going like, I want to see more. I want to read now. I just purchased the first volume of Werewolf by Night because I want to read it now. Like, <laughs> which is again, Marvel did the thing. They presented you characters that you know nothing about, and you came out of it going, "I love them now." <laughs> like, you know, like you come out with that sense, which again is a great win for Marvel. Um, but I like that it, it encompassed all those elements from that type of filmmaking. But at the same time, and also it tricked us. Because not only did they do this old style of it, because of the setting, 
and the the setting and the set design and all that stuff it tricked us because it actually takes place in present day but it yeah. but it, it is meant to feel like it took place 50 years ago which is why the avengers um introduction in the beginning kind of lets you lets you know hey guys this is not something that happened 50 years ago this is contemporary to the stories that we've heard it's just a different corner so i i love that introduction and the idea that now we're going into the deepest corners of the marvel universe to find different things so i think that was great um and as we start the conversation let's talk about the first thing which both of you mentioned so i think it's a good moment to dish this out um you guys mentioned about little time with a werewolf which i think was great um, and it's a good point, right? It's called Werewolf by Night. You figured you would see more of the werewolf, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I actually liked it because to me, story-wise, it, it, it was meant to be like, you're meant to believe that the werewolf is the monster they're hunting. And then they do the swap. Yeah. Because then you find out, no, it's not the werewolf. And all, even when Man-Thing grabs Jack... It looks like a werewolf claw. It doesn't look like, you know what I mean? It looks like that kind of werewolf claw that we're used to. Yeah. It's and a good then bait when, and switch. <laughs> right, right. It was a good bait and switch that occurs. That, I, that That's why I enjoyed it the most. Because when we saw the wolf man, the werewolf, I loved how that's, it was, all, it was still all about what you can see and can't see. Right? Like, when he's transforming, all you see is the shadows. Like, it was all style. And that's what I loved the most about this. Because in most horror films, what people enjoy or what they make front and center of the monster is how much blood and empty bodies do they find. There's, like, there's not much importance to the suspense that comes. Like, there was more fear in Elsa's face when he was transforming than in anywhere. And I love that idea mm -hmm. of... Yeah. seeing the fear through someone else's eyes and then you're seeing and that take which again we're going to talk about Yakino in a minute but okay. that take of her face scared shitless at what she's seeing and we're seeing what she's seeing in the shadows and the wall in the back yeah that was just you know that that sense of awe was just great now um how did you guys like the bait and switch? The fact that did you guys know that Gael was the werewolf to begin with? Apart from the fact that the promo shows, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem. Where <laughs> filmmaking wise, it's a great it's a great move, but the trailer and the poster give it away. Like it at least changed the icon on Disney Plus when you click. Yeah, on the, it. yeah. The trailer almost didn't give it away. Because he, they do lump Jack in with all the monster hunters. Like, they never really focus on him. But yeah. at the same time, they released the trailer. They released the poster, which right. is him with the werewolf shadow. So I guess if you if yeah. you see that first or you see him at the same time, you, not knowing the, the comics, would put two and two together. Like, hey, he's the right. werewolf. Uh, I, I knew he was, uh, he was cast as Jack Russell. So the whole time, just that we've been aware of this special even happening, I'm like, okay, he's, he's a werewolf by night. Yeah. Um, and then watching the special, he you, you do get the sense that he is the uh, the main character. Whether he be a monster they're hunting or a fellow monster hunter is kind of unclear. Um, I like the bait and switch. I like that it was man thing because I, I think that's the whole point of even uh, not just Werewolf by Night in comics, but man thing and 
Elsa Bloodstone, all these monster hunting characters also do protect monsters that really are just trying to survive. They're not out to fight good guys or bad guys. They're just kind of lumped in with this Marvel universe. So the fact that the plot was protecting a fellow monster, I loved. Yeah. And of course, uh, they they succeed and they let Man Thing get away, and then uh, then we get our werewolf action, which I so craved for the majority of this. But the bait and switch was clever. I, I like that they kept it fresh by doing that. So I'm 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 glad that um, you mentioned the idea of protecting monsters, right? Which gives another theme onto the story, which is that who are the real monsters? Yeah. Because you have these hunters that live killing these monsters to protect humans, but in reality they're doing it for clout and pride mm-hmm. because Again. they like because they like killing things. And the way they can acquire the greatest power and pride to keep killing monsters for protection is by killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Which is like that dichotomy of, I like the conversation of who are the real monsters? Are the monsters the real monsters or the humans the real monsters? Like, where's that line of we're all creatures that should be able to live together in one way, shape, or form? You know, and yeah. and like, it's, all, it's the whole X-Men thing, right? Like, all those that are cursed with gifts or quirks um, are bundled up together and are and have to protect themselves against the world where mm-hmm. humans are just dismissive of anything that's different as opposed to embracing those differences. So I like the fact, so that actually is another reason why I really liked the presentation of Jack Russell here because the emphasis is on Jack, the person, mm-hmm. and how different he is from all the other hunters yeah mm-hmm. and and every time they talked about oh i'm not that kind of hunter or that like that kind of conversation that he doesn't know what it is to just spill blood for the sake of spilling blood which yeah is... and the that curse is genuinely a burden he's not a monster yeah. i think one of my favorite scenes that whole special was um his meeting with the other hunters with the monster heads on the wall and they're just kind of like those are trophies to them and he's looking at them like oh yeah that's that's great but you just cut this creature's head off and put it on the wall who knows what he did you just hunted down this scary looking thing and killed it yeah i like that approach to the story and that's kind of what what drew me in not only jack as a character but just the uh the world around him and what they were kind of trying to say what they were going for I fought him a couple of times. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that line was just great. Yeah. That and was, you see that like that funny. weird um, Nosferatu looking vampire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, um, what was your favorite? Do you have a favorite through line or theme, Mike, on the story? Ooh. Honestly, it's exactly, it's exactly what you guys have already been talking about, right? So it's not much I can add to it, but <laughs> the, the idea of our, like, humanity being the monsters themselves right and that that through line of like you said what did what did all of these monsters actually do you're just killing them for sport killing them for trophies and i think that message especially when you meet todd because by all accounts yeah he's scary looking but he hasn't really done anything Mm -hmm. and then jack just says treat him like a friend and as soon as elsa does it they're cool you know they're homies there's nothing else that needs to be done and so it, it really brings into that question of like what first off where do these monsters come from because since this is the mcu Mm -hmm. i need i need more details now on on this side of the marvel universe but also (laughs) you know ignoring that 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 
entire idea of humanity and these monsters coexisting, I think is the most fascinating aspect of it all. Mm-hmm. I like I like the idea that you came out with a hunger for understanding yeah. of this world and not that they give you little lore to understand. I like how this world feels lived in that has existed forever. Because you know how they can present you a world where you just feel lost because you don't understand what's going on? Eternals. But but then we have a world that feels lived in that even just just you knowing the common popular conception of monsters is enough to yeah. be able to enjoy and understand what's what's happening yeah and, and that's to, enough to get in the movie in the movie to answer what what you said mike um i th- i assume the the monster's existence in this world is kind of compared to ours like neither of us have seen a uh, a monster before it's yeah. just kind of stories and tales and whispers I assume at this moment in the MCU, that's what it is until, of course, we get someone like Blade, who probably brings the world of monsters to, say, the Avengers or Moon Knight. And then it starts to branch out and becomes a uh, a more worldwide, like, okay, monsters exist. Just kind of like in 2012, people are like, oh, aliens exist. Okay. At some point, it, it drops down into public knowledge. And right now I'm loving that it's just, like you said, a specific corner of the Marvel Universe. And you you have to be a part of that corner to to know monsters exist and it's a very niche group at the moment yeah and it's and i'm glad that you bring that over because one of the things about vampires right (laughs) which going back to the original blade trilogy or more importantly the original blade with wesley snipes which again phenomenal movie Mm -hmm. the whole point about vampires is the secrecy behind their power in terms of social power so so there's no way that you can deny that they've been here forever. We just don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. So so I like the idea that the same the same goes for the Marvel monster world or monsterverse where it's always been there, mm-hmm. but none of our characters has had the necessity to look into it. And yeah. and we're just opening just that <clears throat> other door. And it's funny how we all got a sense of satisfaction like going into space. And seeing different races, um, Thor, different realms, and that's how you know all those other mystical sides of it. But now we're seeing that Earth itself has its own little corner, and it's opening up more and more and more. Because even in films like Doctor Strange, um, WandaVision, we're seeing different places in different planes, but we haven't explored monsters on Earth, born on Earth. And I, I'm glad that that's, this is like the first step into that. And, and it was great. And I love the fact that it still feels like a Marvel um, joint. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Like, because they're using humor and it works within the style, right? Um, like the whole thing with the bomb and freaking Jack, that was, yeah. I mean, I was cracking up. That was hilarious. The fact that Jack's an idiot, kind of, or mm-hmm. he's kind of like I like it's, the idea. It's a throwback to bumbling '30s horror movie central yeah. characters, where you can't do just a very simple task right the first time. You have to keep right. trying until it's obviously right. it's the last second. Some days right. you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, 
Yes. Um, before we jump to talk about Jokino, because I know he's going to be a good part of this conversation. Mm. Um, am I the only one that's enjoying the smart decision from Marvel um, where we take a character that we want to bring forth but we don't harm we don't arm string it to a type we modify it enough because we see someone with talent that wants to play it or that's available and they modify the character to fit that role and what i mean by that is i believe jack russell is meant to be either european or american but gael garcia bernal is definitely from south america and they blend his culture into the role of Jack Russell, yeah. similar to what they're doing with Namor and Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. where they blend that actor's culture and heritage into the world of Mayan um, lore and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's a great move for Marvel because not only were most of these characters created where in a, in a time where everyone was white, but <laughs> but also it, it allows these characters to feel fresh. They don't feel dated and also feel that they belong in our world as opposed to somewhere far away. So I, I kind of want to keep seeing this. I like this take. What do you guys think? That, I mean, that approach to characters. It's healthy for characters. Like you said, it's exactly where I was going to go with that. These characters were created in the 60s at the earliest or even the 70s in Werewolf by Night's case, which they are all white. So they're... Yeah. Yeah. Their character and their uh, their kind of their purpose is just very limited. So when you have this special like World by Night or even Namor, it's okay. How do we take this pretty basic white character and just add so much more to him? Not even just to the world around him, but him and make his world as bright as we can. And then we drop him into this world. And I think yeah. it makes, like you said, it makes you want to read this character and like, oh, I like him in this movie. Let's kind of see his uh, his history and. And I mean, from from a character that began the 60s, you should be expanding upon them today. In 2022, there should be so much more to this person in a, uh, a live action adaptation 50 years after they were created. So it's um, it's the smartest thing they can do. And they just consistently bring more to the table with all of these new yeah. characters. So I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. What about you, Mike? I mean, I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, I, I just want to go back a little bit further, right? Because... The idea of allowing to allowing room to mold the character around the actor and the performance, right? Like we can t- we go back to the beginning. We go back to Iron Man, right? Like Robert Downey is not playing comic book Iron Man at no. all in the True. MCU. True. In a good way. In a it's good true. way, though. Yes, yeah, in a great in way. way. Not it's not it's not a knock, but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you kind of you look at what is the actor's skill set. And what can they bring to this performance to make it the best it possibly can be? And I think that's a great thing that they're doing with Namor. I think that's a great thing they did with uh, Jack here. And it's, you know, it's something that I kind of wish they did with Doctor Strange, right? Because Benedict Cumberbatch feels like he's kind of held to making this American doctor where his American accent is kind of a little wonky to to, to me. So it's like, just just change Doctor Strange to fit Benedict Cumberbatch. But he could have been British. Yeah, like I don't think making Doctor Strange British would have been a weird or a bad call. I digress. 
Um, I, I think... yeah, you, you, you could have made him British and he just became famous because he came to school in America <laughs> and that's where he formed his practice. Exactly. So it happens all the time, yeah. especially in New York. <laughs> you, you'd think. But in, in the case of Werewolf by Night and Namor, yeah. I love it. I think it's great. Especially like uh, Blake was saying, these characters are old. Like, again, some of the most popular old. ones were <laughs> made in the 40s and 30s, like Superman, Batman, Captain America. So <laughs> updating a few of them, you don't have to change all of them, but, you know, making the MCU a more diverse place, I think, is nothing but a good thing. And also acknowledging the talent that's out there. Yeah. Like you're not you're not you're not um, armstringing yourself to a type. You you find out what's best for the story, you know. And and I love the openness of Marvel to doing that now. Now, in and, and it's funny because there's certain characters that that type of cultural swap or exchange wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Like Captain America is one of those. You know, they, it has to be an American character. Like, there's no way, and and, and that's very specific for. It goes both for Steve Rogers and um, Sam Wilson. They both have to be American because that's a very key thing that informs those characters. Um, and and um, going back to DC, for example, like Batman. There's a reason why Batman is Bruce Wayne is a very wealthy white man. Like. There's certain things that just become part of the character embedded, but that doesn't mean that you, there's other characters that have that freedom where you can move things and change them for the sure. sake of the story, for the sake of the characters. And I'm glad that they're giving themselves that space to do it. And I, and I just want to see it more. I want to see more of this. Like we all, we all have seen what happens when you force someone to be an American martial artist when they don't practice when they're supposed to. So that's <clears throat> Finn Jones. Like there's <laughs> moments where it just doesn't work when, when you could have like, I, I, I don't know if you guys know fat man beyond or fat man on Batman, Mark Bernard and Kevin Smith. Yeah. Like one of the things that Mark Bernard is always saying about Iron Fist, which is one of his favorite characters is that there's no reason why this character couldn't have been Asian American. There's no reason, like that would that would have some that would have been something that would make sense. It would it would it would sinking with the character. It couldn't have been just great. And um, I don't know. I'm glad that Marvel is expanding that way. It's something that Stanley has always said, though, right? Like Marvel is supposed to represent the world outside your window, and Mm. the world outside your window is not 100% white. (laughs) So no, it's a great reflection, and also again honors what. The entire push, at least that's what Stan Lee would always say, of pushing diversity. Like, even when they created the X-Men, he even said in a few interviews that he wished he could have done more at the time when he was doing it. But now now it's our opportunity, and I'm glad Marvel Studios is taking the chance to say, hey, this is what Marvel was always meant to be. We now have the ability to make that world come to life the way that Stan always wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And say what you want about the quality of some of the projects that tackle it, but the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, going as far as they did when it comes to who we are in this world individually, it it was uh, I think it was handled really well, and I, I hope it is handled uh, at least just as well in New World Order with all these Hulks yeah. running around. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like I don't love that show. 
Yeah. But it made me respect Sam Wilson more. And Bucky Barnes got more development than he's had in the past five years. Yeah. Uh, I just, I want more of that from Marvel because that's why these comics were even made in the first place. And that's unfortunately why the character of Captain America, whoever is wearing that mantle, hasn't changed that much because his war is still being fought today. Maybe not literally, but that same ideology kind of, uh, kind of exists. And that's, I think that's the sole purpose that Sam Wilson, Captain America kind of fits in today. So I, I'm hoping they're not scared to really tackle those, those serious topics. And like you said, with the X-Men, yeah. even Deadpool himself said they're, uh, their metaphors for racism in the 60s exactly um it's uh i don't know we'll see how far marvel is willing to go when it comes to uh why we love these characters in the first place if deadpool can say smart things marvel can <laughs> every make, now and then marvel can make good decisions um but yeah this is definitely a step in in that right direction right yeah. um and it also allows us to enjoy it even more um now we've 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 talked about a lot of things that we love, but we got to talk about the man that made it happen. <laughs> so known in the last 10 to 10 years, I would say, if not more, as one of the most prominent music composers known in the last decade, Michael Giacchino, which, by the way, I, I knew of him because of his Star Trek soundtracks, which are great. Which, by the way, I love that trilogy. Um, but Maku Aquino is the one that's done the score for um, the Spider-Man movies. He did the Batman. Um, he's done way too much and so well. He decided to direct a Marvel thing. <laughs> and what... Tour the Force, guys. So he directed this thing. He brought vision. He brought style. He wrote the music for this thing. Like you can tell. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, and again, it's like if he's gonna direct it, he's not gonna want anybody else to, you know. The, he bought. He, he. You can tell that he knows how to tell a story in different mediums because again, compose making the music for a movie is learning how to tell the story in sound, right? But what do you guys think about his first? Is this his first joint as a director? It is. And they, yeah. he chose Werewolf by Night. Like, they, Marvel wasn't just like, we want to do a Werewolf by Night special. Who, who could we get to direct it? They're like, Mr. Uh, Mr. Michael Giacchino, instead of composing this one, who do, you, uh, who do you want to direct a special for? And he chose Werewolf by Night. Because he's a huge fan of those, uh, the old comics, that old era of horror movies. And, you know, it, it tells when there's that passion behind the scenes. And yeah. God, just talking about his music alone, there's passion in the music, which is why every time he ever works on a project, it's phenomenal. And it always fits the character. I mean, yeah. he's like you say, he's done Spider-Man and Batman, two very different uh, yeah. uh, musical tones. I'm not a big music expert, but, you but said two it entirely right. different characters. He knows how to how to bring the uh, the atmosphere and the emotion to two different worlds. And I think he brought all of that passion and knowledge to Werewolf by Night when it comes to the uh, the very beginning when they're walking into that labyrinth with the uh, the drums, I guess you could call it, with or, the uh, horn, with the, the horn. horn, yeah, yes, the horn. That I that might have been my favorite. Um, that was awesome. Part of music from that whole special. It was uh, 
it was actually a little unnerving. Um, I like that he was able to bring that to a, a horror special, no less. And uh, I feel like we're going to get there. So unfortunately, he already said he's not going to do Blade, which I think broke all of our hearts when he first said that. Um, but I, I want to see more horror from this guy. Some people have said, let him do Midnight Suns with all of these horror characters back together again. So, Interesting. Yes, I I definitely want to see him helm more projects for Marvel because yeah, for his first outing, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah, I like I like and and I'll pass it on to you, Mike. I love how you mentioned the 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 horn aspect, mm-hmm. um, like just all that. Um, but that that whole sequence in the labyrinth that speaks of the understanding of that old style of horror movie mm-hmm. because it's all sound. Yeah, it's all about environment. It's all atmosphere, because the atmosphere, the music, the sound atmosphere is what keeps you in tension. Because the setting doesn't do anything, but it's and most horror films are all about atmosphere. That's mm-hmm. that's the point, creating that sense of which is why I love three D audio on PlayStation because the the headphones create that sense of atmosphere and that surround mm-hmm. sound around you, right? Yeah. Um, uh, shout out to PlayStation. Um, this video is not <laughs> sponsored, but we are open to it, PlayStation. <laughs> yes. Give us a screen of Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, noted. Yes. Yes. Um, but what a, what, a great, what a great mixture of those two things, right? Um, it's all sound. Um, Mike, yes. Aquino, did the thing. He did the thing, man. You know... I know my name is Michael, but I really want to be like Mike after watching this special <laughs> because, dude, like, and I, I want to go back to what you guys have been saying this entire time, atmosphere, tone, and I think him being a composer and working on all of these different movie scores has only helped in his direction too, right? Like, he knows how to 100%. set the mood, how to set the tone for every single scene of this movie, and... Again, him doing the score is insane. Like, that is just dedication right there. Because every aspect, you can just tell it's meticulously designed. And it's a perfect marriage between the score and the film itself. In a way that, again, I love all of his scores, just about. I think the Batman is the only one where it is this tight, right? As much as Well Worth by Night. And so, yeah, Shout out to, to Michael Giacchino. He did a fantastic job. Heck of a directorial debut. Um, but something that Blake said a minute ago about like him wanting to do this, him claiming this project, I think go, harkens back to one of my issues with the MCU, and I think a lot of issues people have. It, it's kind of, again, factory-made, right? Like Kevin Feige has his whiteboard of things and checklists that they need to hit. They need to hit these story beats, get these characters, and it's like... We didn't need we didn't necessarily need Werewolf by Night, but somebody had the passion to do it and bring it to life. And you can feel that in a way that some of these other movies or shows you don't necessarily get it. And so I if they're gonna start having these special presentations and they're just gonna <clears throat> let folks run wild and grab characters that they really wanna talk tackle, I think that's the best way moving forward with especially the Disney Plus side of the MCU. Yeah, they need to start doing more of that. Having a roadmap is amazing, and you, it's necessary, as yeah. we can tell, Star Wars. But 
having creator and director and writer driven projects, I think is how we're going to get the best quality as we can see with world by night. And they just did that with, um, Jessica Gao. She just gave an interview and said she originally went to Marvel a while ago and pitched a black widow movie that featured she Hulk. And given the plot that she explained, they were like, you're, you're just kind of pitching a she Hulk project with black widow. And she's like, huh? So they're (laughs) like, okay, we'll keep you in mind for, she-hulk and thus like we didn't really expect a she-hulk project when it was announced years ago which means it was kind of being written years ago and look how it turned out it was such a breath of fresh air because it wasn't trying to fit into the mcu it was trying to be its own thing and then gradually down the road we'll see her in avengers we'll see her hopefully in fantastic four by the time they get going a little bit yes but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes the kevin exactly yeah, the the more they let these um, creators with with genuine visions and a passion for these characters and stories, the more we're going to start seeing uh, genuine works of art, which yes. I think uh, I think uh, nobody will be opposed to, especially if it's such a character that nobody knows anything about. I don't think you lose anything yeah. by just yeah. by bringing a, a C list character up to the A list. It's um, it's just more of what we love. That's how the MCU made their name, right? By bringing exactly. Iron Man to the screen. Exactly right. What do yep. you do without Spider-Man and the X-Men? Right. You, you got to work from the ground up. Just because you lost your Woody. Oh, wait, that came wrong. Just doesn't mean you, uh, have, you don't have other toys in the toy box. You know, you got... <laughs> that was a toy story? Oh, my God. I tried. That makes it, it even just, worse. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I, I said it. I thought it. I should have thought it then say it, but <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the reasons I loved what DC was doing, right? And we'll see what the future looks like. But just letting Matt Reeves go crazy with Batman, you know, let, yeah. let's do a Birds of Prey movie. Why not? Let's do yes. Black Adam, yes. sure. And you know, again, I know you need Superman and Wonder Woman and all of the the main characters. But if somebody wants to pitch you a Suicide Squad movie, go for it. Yeah. I mean, God, we're hearing great things about Blue Beetle just from screenings right now, and as they're still currently working through it. So, I mean, and he's uh, he's no Superman, but he's a pretty great character. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I like um, the whole thing you mentioned about She-Hulk and Jessica Gao and all that stuff. And I think there's a similar DNA between this one and She-Hulk, and is that She-Hulk doesn't feel like an MCU show. It feels like a She-Hulk show. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, the one thing that the, the MCU overall has has created this box for itself yeah. where a lot of films don't feel that they belong to the characters. They belong to the universe. Mm-hmm. So that's what made that She-Hulk show so great. That's what made Moon Knight for me so great. That it felt like it's this is a Moon Knight show. Yeah. This is, and I think that's one of the things that maybe dragged Falcon and the Winter Soldier for as much as I enjoyed the show, because it felt like an extension of the MCU show, right? And and it was so linked to that um, DNA, right? But this felt like Werewolf by Night. It didn't feel like, even though they established the connection to the universe as soon as you see the credits roll, right in the yeah. beginning. But it's it was a werewolf by night show, 
So yeah. I like the idea of bringing that type of identity, especially for these characters that we don't know anything about. And I kind of want, I kind of wonder if that had a lot to do with what's going on with Blade right now. That maybe the script felt like an MCU movie as opposed to a Blade movie. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's the reason there were differences. Hopefully that's the reason why more Herschel is pushing to work more on the script. Maybe he has a hand in it. I don't know. He um, He's another example of walking into Marvel and saying, I want to play Blade. And they're just like, we didn't have plans for Blade. And he's like, that's not what I asked. I said, I want to play Blade. <laughs> yes. I'm going to yes. play Blade. He's yes. And I'm glad he's not, um, he's not yeah. settling for a script that he believes is subpar because I know he's a, he's a Blade fan. If he wants to play this character so badly, he's... Yeah. He's gonna let a. He's not gonna let them produce a project that isn't up to what the character right. deserves. Yep. So I, I trust Blade in his hands, and um, I, I really hope this means good things for Blade. I hope they realize they can they can go more. Uh, they can lean into their own corner, as you said, and yeah. I think Marvel specifically kind of forgets that's how the comics work. Like you have your yes. Punisher comics. Set in the same universe as Spider-Man, but those tones are as far away from each other as they yes. could possibly be. Correct. Doesn't mean they're not in the same universe. They just don't Correct. have to have to lend themselves to the same tone, that same atmosphere. And I think that hurts uh, a lot of projects. If if my Spider-Man movie feels like my Punisher movie, yeah. like that, that just shouldn't be. Unless they're crossing over, then of course you you have to you have to play with tones a little bit and you have to share. But no, when they're in their own little world, just just let them be. Okay. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually what makes crossovers so powerful. Mm-hmm. And for for that's one of the things that made the first Avengers so great, right? Because you can feel how different the characters are. Mm-hmm. Like as the other Avengers movies come on, you feel like this group just belongs together as opposed to just being different. Yeah. But like that's the point. If you're able to establish these very different tones for each character. Mm-hmm. The clash of tones, it's part of the narrative. And a good writer will find ways of making that work. Exactly. You know, and, and that's kind of what we want if we're gonna cross over and stuff like that. It's and that's exactly what they did with Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> go go ahead. You said it what was it, Mike? I was just saying it's a feature, not a hindrance, right? Like right. Batman and Superman being completely opposite tones is the point. And when you bring them together that's when the magic happens. But what were you yeah. saying, mm-hmm. Blake? You mentioned Daredevil? Well, that's just exactly what they do with him. I mean, you know, we've known him as such a dark character for, God, how many how many years that show yeah. was on? Five, six years? Yeah. And then he's in She-Hulk. He doesn't feel like a totally different character, but he's in such a uh, a more a lighter tone, especially even with the character that he's, um, he's acting opposite of. That's just... I think they, sh- they need to learn from that because, I mean the majority of fans agreed like this is this is daredevil this is peak daredevil and it's the guy that we knew from the from the netflix show despite not being in that uh uh such a dark place that he was there but that's that's what uh what you were talking about is that's when the magic happens is when they they share the screen with characters opposite to them and you can kind of see how they how they either fit together or bounce off each other i'm glad that you mentioned the 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 daredevil appearance because we get this daredevil because of what he's been able to overcome in the past. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like he's no longer in that dark place mm-hmm. where we found him at the beginning of season three, right? He, and that's how like, that season ended. 
right he was all he's moving forward he's embracing who he is who he can become and doing his part in hell's kitchen and that just pours over into that universe which is great and um, i know it's the studio being scared like oh audiences are going to be confused if if this punisher show is dark as hell and then he'll appear in she hulk and it's it's all light and he's breaking the fourth wall and and you, you do get that with fans like, oh, of course, this isn't the same Daredevil because that one was dark and gritty and this one's in a yellow costume. So I just think they need to um, not necessarily ignore things, but do like what they did with Daredevil. Like I, I have experience in it. Like I'm Daredevil. Like you just you get this sense that he's he's like, you don't know who I am. I've been doing this for the past eight years that I was on some other Daredevil. show. It's just, <laughs> and then you Daredevil. have the theme kick in, though. And it's like and the theme kick in. That's you, just, all you, you don't have to be. <laughs> You don't have to be so in your face, like, whoa, well, I took down Kingpin. I fought Nobu a couple times. Elektra showed up. Like, just play the theme for a, a quick second. That's that's really all you need to know. And for those that want to keep arguing, I guess they're just never going to be convinced. That's their own, yeah. that's their fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can we admire the use of practical effects in this? Because he had the Marvel Studios. I mean, I'm not saying he had avengers level money right mm -hmm. but right isaac everything everything <laughs> everything mcu related it has decent special effects right yeah i mm. mean anybody can say whatever they want about chi hulk or other stuff but at the end of the day hey it's expensive to make the hulk so mm -hmm. i can't blame them if it's not perfect in every scene it was perfect when it needed to be that's the way i see it mm -hmm. you know um but he could have gone that route, but it would have been outside of style. But I love the fact that all the practical effects that were used in this film don't feel cheesy or quirky. They feel right. Mm -hmm. Like it was the right kind of special effects and like the arm falling off, the cuts. Um, That's instead of green screen. Yes. There's an actual werewolf person as opposed <laughs> to... You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I love, I love the, I, and I love that it was a nice blend. Like you, when he's doing stuff that are that is outrageous, you know it's CG, but you don't feel it when it yeah. actually gets in your face. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I like the fact that he didn't know martial arts. Like it felt like a beast just knocking people around. Mm -hmm. I like that 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 sense of, especially the whole thing with the blood splatter and stuff like that. Which, by the way, that was one of my favorite scenes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when it hits the, the fight wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. The mice wasn't that interesting. Like because all you saw him is doing weird stuff and just jumping around like he's doing capoeira. But um but I like the like the door closing in. Yeah. And the light and, and all mm -hmm. that. It was actually pretty great. Um I think we can start do you guys have anything else in particular you guys want to talk about World by Night? Have we covered it all? I am glad there was one throwaway line in the special that does um, lend itself back to that little Easter egg from Thor Ragnarok with Man-Thing's head on the Grandmaster's uh, little fortress where he said, I'm done bailing you out of trouble now. You have to do yourself. So we know he was that's, he was a prisoner awesome. on Sakaar. He had to fight, fight in that little battle arena. And he, he was mentioned in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s radar for a while. So yeah. there should be no question that man thing has exist for such a long period of time that he's on all this he's in space's radar he's on nick fury's radar he's uh he's a 
he's always getting himself into trouble in the Marvel and Cinematic Jack, Universe. And Jack just has to bumble his way into. Yeah. Now, I, love I don't the think we Han dynamic we have between those two. So great. So I great. love that, and I don't think we we can get either of those two back without the other. Yeah. If it's a a Werewolf by Night sequel, Man Thing's got to be there. If it's a Man Thing special, Jack has to pop up by the end. They're just I love those two. I don't know why, but I have a feeling that a corner of the internet is going, can we get shorts of Man-Thing, like the Groot thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that would just break the internet. <laughs> it would. I, I would never say no to more Man-Thing, to whatever extent. Todd is best boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, I think the best way to close this pod is if there was a Marvel property... I'm not gonna exclude. I'm not gonna make exclusively to Marvel. We've seen Michael Giacchino direct. <laughs> if he could direct any DC Marvel fair, or if he was able to get something from that toolbox, what character would you like him to bring to light? Mm, that's a good question. I can and see thinking Blake about is thinking, so I'm going to and, and, continue and, talking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and thinking and thinking about the fact that he'll do the score, he'll do the movie. Um, I think what, just I for, have one. Okay, but go. I think for go, his go. sake, it probably needs to be another special or series because I can't imagine the toll it would take having to score a movie and direct a yeah. movie. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, possibly. I, I would limit this to again like a, a special presentation again, like mm-hmm. this one. Um, in the on the Marvel side, I think sticking with the, this darker side of the universe, like I, we know he's not doing Blade, but if he wanted to take a crack at Moon Knight, I would welcome him on for season two for a couple there. episodes there. Nice. Um, on the DC nice. side, I know we just did our Constantine. Oh, we're video. doing both. I'm doing, doing both. both on the DC side. Give <laughs> me Zatanna. I'll, we're gonna cheat. We'll <laughs> I'm gonna do nice. Too. You nice. just took a Zatanna movie away from me. Give it back. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Nice. Very nice. Very um, nice. I'm, I'm glad <clears throat> I'm glad you did too, because you, you stole mine. Uh, a Moon Knight special presentation with Giacchino. Okay. In the same vein of Werewolf by Night, where it's really low budget, like, yeah. I love the MCU Moon Knight costume. But just for this little standalone mission that, let's just say, takes place before the show that we got... Yeah, in the and a mask he puts on, a hood he puts up, ties the cape around like old-fashioned Moon Knight. And you have actual sets. He's going up against Black Spectre, kind of a, a freaky-looking Moon Knight villain. Mm-hmm. Low-ish budget, like just the fact that it looks like that. That would be spectacular. Um, and from the or, DC or, side, or, or or because you mentioned Moon Knight, I don't mean to interrupt you. Maybe we literally bring a different take on the original appearance of Moon Knight against Werewolf by Night. That that would be the the genuine crossover that I, w- <laughs> I would love to see from the MCU. And if he yeah. does it too, we know he can handle the werewolf. So yes. I, I, I don't, uh, I wouldn't doubt his capabilities when it comes to that. Yeah. But on the, on the DC side, um, I, and I'm glad you, you mentioned Zatanna because this would also help build to a Justice League Dark, um, Etrigan the Demon. I would love to see. I know how he can handle monsters, and he can handle the human side of those monsters. If I could see him handle Jason Blood and just a practical-looking Etrigan, that'd be incredible. I, 
I would need to see uh, the fiery depths of hell from Michael Giacchino for this guy. Gotta that would the be... <laughs> He's got to get the rhymes. I mean, who else, right? Exactly. And, then yeah. every, and every time that he's talking in rhymes, there's a special like theme song in the back of the store. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's just, yes. I got to call him up now. I got to make sure this happens. DC needs it. <laughs> Giacchino, give it to me. Um, <laughs> so... I'm going to go with my DC first, and then I'm going to go with my Marvel. I love how we just broke the rules, and you already had two prepared. <laughs> I actually had one, but I'll, I'll allow it. No. <laughs> um, so for DC, and mainly because it would work in the same tone as Werewolf by Night. Give me Swamp Thing. Yeah. What <laughs> Yakino doing Swamp Thing? It it just it's like a man thing that can actually talk. Is that mm-hmm. a cheat? Right? <laughs> it's I don't care. It works, damn it. But yeah, but it also has Creature of the Black Lagoon in it. Like it, it has yeah. all of that same kind of aura, and I think it would work. No, we're not doing the Harley Queen Swamp Thing. That just pulls around with Nora. Which, by the way, that was. I don't get hipster Swamp Thing. <laughs> I, I love that? the bun. We yes. need hipster swamp. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's. I think there's a world where we get a black and white swamp thing movie by Kino. That would be awesome. That would. Be yeah. So that. So that would be my DC. Now my. My Marvel side. Mm. And mainly because. There's a sense of emotional tragedy to this character, but also. I can just see the soundtrack being amazing in terms of a mixture of popular music and score. Give him Ghost Rider. I'm dying to get Ghost Rider uh, in the MCU. And you can do either, and and I don't know, give him Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, either Ghost Rider, but yeah, Robbie Reyes. Like, I enjoy... Johnny Nicholas Cage's Johnny Blaze enough that I'm okay if we don't go back to Johnny Blaze. But give me Robbie Reyes, right? And and have Yakino do it. And also, like, think about this. The way he handles the camera, especially in angles of action or stuff like that, in that kind of old-fashioned thing, you can make a Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider movie where it has Mad Max Fury Road energy. You know, because Robbie Ray just already has the car. So yeah. you can kind of give it that feel, like moving to the desert or something, like, and do it dark and gritty where he's just figuring something out with his family or whatever. But yeah, give him Ghost Rider. I, I think that would be a very interesting combination. And the score would be very interesting and peculiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would need it to be a full-fledged horror. They've got to do justice yeah. to Ghost Rider. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And, and and one of the things that I love about Robbie Reyes is the car, man. That muscle car. <laughs> yeah, bro. Did you see him in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Brandon? I enjoyed him quite a bit, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and no, also, no, Gra- Gabriel cool. Luna as, as Ghost Rider was great. And I love the fact that they kind of hint, hink, wink, wink at Nicolas Cage's Johnny Blaze. Like, mm-hmm. he's kind of the reason he gets the Ghost Rider powers. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, Johnny Blaze did show up in that show too, which yeah. I loved. The uh, little 
bullet hole in the skull. It was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, guys, we've done the thing. We've talked <laughs> Werewolf by Night. We enjoy talking about Gakino's work of art that he did here. And um, I don't know, guys, you guys, anything else to give out for Werewolf by Night tonight? This. We've gone for almost an hour with this conversation, and we never once really mentioned that this was in black and white, which I think was just a really <laughs> nice touch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. It's built into <laughs> the old-fashioned movie thing. Yeah. There, there was only one thing, and it wouldn't have ruined the special at all if I didn't get it, but the one thing I wanted to see in this is if something magical or supernatural happened to restore the color... And yeah. Elsa has the bloodstone at the end, sits in that chair, and the color just comes back. I that got to was see so great. That oh, was I got to so see Man Thing, green and with the red eyes, and her in her orange jacket, which meant oddly so much to me. <laughs> <laughs> that um, I loved the black and white for the majority of it. So I'm glad we just got color for a little bit. But that was genius how they handled both of that. Yeah, they did all the things. They, they did, did all the things. things. <laughs> oh, and apparently, they like getting sushi. Which was, like, they do. Which is yeah. great. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure the uh, the werewolf had the green pants when they filmed uh, those werewolf scenes. I, I don't. I wasn't able to tell in the behind the scenes pictures, but apparently he did have the the very iconic green pants from the comics. In case anyone was wondering. I'm glad we didn't have to build up to it like Hulk getting his purple shorts. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, of course he has to earn those purple shorts. You gotta earn it. <laughs> I'm just glad that when we saw She-Hulk, she looked like She-Hulk. She always looked like She-Hulk, yes. Yeah. Love yeah. it. So. <laughs> so, Blake, thank you for joining us on this awesome Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we look forward to having you back here in the future. And if people want to find you in the webs, what are you up to? Talk to us. On Twitter, I am at Conquer Comics. I'm a huge fan of Kang these days. That's the at. Um, but I am on a weekly podcast called The Last Scare. Um, which you can find us on Twitter. I believe we are at Last Scare. And uh, same with YouTube. Awesome. Mike. Yes, sir. You guys can find me at Novice Cinephile on YouTube, on Twitter, the Novice Cinephile on Instagram, because someone sniped my name. Um, but you can also find me here at the Chatter After every other week and on the Amateur Otaku, where we're talking anime every single Sunday. It's a fun time, fun anime season. Especially Chainsaw Man. I know this is a Halloween episode and we're nearing the end of spooky season, but Chainsaw Man isn't stopping. So make sure you guys check it out because it is yes. a blast. You can't stop singing that song. <laughs> it's a bad um, Yes. And you can find me at the Scarlet Fan 52 on Twitter. And you can find the pod at the Shatter After. You can find our catalog of awesome entries in the Novice Cinephile Network. We've talked about plenty of movies, Goodwill Hunting. Um, The Shape of Water. We've talked about Train to Busan. And in this October, I mentioned Train to Busan because we're doing a whole series on Halloween or scary movies. We're covering Train to Busan. We got Moon Knight coming. We have this episode on Werewolf by Night. And we're also doing 2005's Constantine. So we have a lot of great, awesome Halloween content. So make sure you Check it out and subscribe to the Novice Cinephile Network so you don't miss any of the takes of the chat or after. And if you'd rather listen to us on the go, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found, you can find the chatter after. Stay awesome, guys. Keep watching movies. 
Peace.